This is Calgary Today with Angela Cocott on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. Good Wednesday afternoon, and our patio tour continues on one of the most beautiful days ever. And we know it's only going to get hotter and hotter, so you'll be looking for some great patios to escape to. I'm at trolley number 5, 17th Avenue. Uh, and a lot of people say, oh, just remember, it's the old Melrose on 17th Avenue. But trolley number 5, it's a great little brew pub. We'll find out more about it throughout the afternoon. But right now, I want to talk more about Canada's 150th. Global Television has been doing a great series on where we've come from, especially within the last 25 years. And today they're focusing on gender equality. Have we really progressed when we look back on the past 25 years? Marilisa Rocco is Global National Online Journalist. She joins us today. Hello, Marilisa. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. What were you hoping to explore in your special series when we're looking at gender equality? Well, I think the one thing that really um, stood out to us was the fact that the Ipsos poll that Global News had conducted um, found that uh, 61% of respondents felt that we had made significant strides in gender equality over the last 25 years, which I think um, for most of us who are taking a look at the issues that women of all races and all walks face in Canada today, that seemed a little high. Seemed a little too optimistic. Um, well, it's just it's it's an interesting it's an interesting number of people to yes. think that we've made great strides, considering that we have some very significant issues that have not been sufficiently addressed. Um, you know, for example, the gender wage gap and um, increasing costs of childcare, and the fact that the burden of taking care of children and elderly rests firmly on the shoulders of women still to this day and it makes it very difficult for them to enter the workforce as a result. I want to break that down in a little bit. First of all, I want to go back to that number with the Ipsos Read poll because, as you said, 61% of Canadians believe that gender equality has progressed in the last 25 years. But when you kind of break that down into regions, I think Alberta had one of the lowest numbers, 50%. So maybe Albertans are more realistic as far as how far we've come in the last 25 years. Well, I think what it comes down to is, you know, I don't want to discredit our country and take away from what has been accomplished in the last 25 years because I think that, you know, there has been progress. But I think um, to to only base this progress on the last 25 years and not take a look at what, you know, women are still facing today is probably a little short-sighted. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. I think when we talk about gender equality, as you mentioned, probably on the top of that list is the wage gap. What have we seen in that area when it comes to maybe narrowing that gap for women and men? Well, I think it's notable um, that the, the gap has sort of somewhat shrunk. Mm-hmm. Um, you know... Th- the most recent statistics, I believe, are um, somewhat contradictory. Uh, there's one that it says that 74 cents to every dollar is what women earn um, compared to men over their yearly salary. However, I believe it's something in the neighborhood of 87 cents. Um, women make 87 cents to every dollar that men make for um, hourly wages. So, yeah, you're comparing the difference between a yearly salary compared to an hourly salary then. Yes. 
which an hourly, hourly salary would be significant considering that most of those salaries are in the service industry and many women work in the service industry. So it's interesting to note that that gap is considerably less there. Any any comparisons, Marilisa, where that was 20 years ago? Uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm obviously it's gone up, but I'm, I'm just curious if we've seen bigger increases in the last 10 years compared to, let's say, the last 20 years. Um, I don't have those um, numbers, unfortunately, um, but I do know that um, it has gone from 65 cents to 74 cents probably over the last 15 years. Well, and, and even when we're talking 74 cents or 87 cents for an hourly rate, uh, when you talk to women's advocacy groups, uh, what were they saying? Because it's, it's, an, it's a positive trend. And when I look at just the numbers, and I know numbers can, you know, they don't tell the whole story, but to me that seems like a positive trend. It's definitely a positive trend, but it's also a little unsettling that it's still so significant in 2017. And I think that that's what, that's the issue that a lot of, a lot of women are, are, trying to, are trying to get to the bottom of. Because when you consider that, you know, it was, it's taken, seven, you know, 15 years to go from 65 cents to 74, how much longer is it going to take us to get to parity? And I think that's what the concern is. And, and I know it's a complicated issue because there are so many factors at work here. First of all, we're seeing, well, I, I know we've seen an increase in the number of women coming out of university. In fact, I think the numbers, this is one area where we're seeing more women graduate than men. Is that what you found? Yes. Um, women make up 60% of university graduates. Um, so they're more educated than men. Um, they do better in school than men. Um, but unfortunately, they're still not getting the top-level positions that allow them to be major decision-makers. And I wonder how closely that is tied into the other area where we see a big difference, and that's child care. Because I wonder how many women have to make a decision of whether or not they are going to pursue a job that may come with higher earnings, but that means then they've got to figure out what they're going to do with their children. And it's, it's less favorable for women when they're trying to balance that work life with, than men. Is that correct? It is. Um, there are some very interesting statistics around that. Um, between 1976 and 2015, mothers who had children um, around uh, under the age of six had the lowest employment rates. So that is a direct commentary on the fact that these women felt their only option was to stay home to raise their children and they were not able to enter the workforce. Even in more modern times, I think the more recent statistic we have is 2010, women spend an average of 50 hours per week on childcare versus 24 hours spent by men. And those are women who also worked. So I think it's pretty clear that the bulk of the responsibility with kids still falls to women. And they unfortunately sometimes have to make a decision whether it's worth it to go back to work or not especially when you consider how expensive it is um, to put your child in a daycare program. 
Yeah, as, as far as we've come, I still think that a, lo a lot of women find that as a barrier. If they are going to try to achieve higher paying jobs, it comes at a cost. And unfortunately, if they're looking at what are they going to do with their children, then usually they're the ones who have to make that decision. And I know I'm getting texts from, you know, obviously these are broad generalizations. I, I know some people are going to say, well, it's not the case in my household. I completely agree. But Marlise is working on statistics and sometimes the real stories get lost in that. Marilise, I want to take a break here because as we talk about this gender equality, something that always comes up is in, a, in order to affect change, we have to have more women in leadership roles, whether that be in politics or in the boardroom. We'll see where we've come in the last 25 years after this. I'm Angela Coca. You're listening to Calgary Today. And yes, we are on the road, our patio tour. The first time I've had to make sure that I've got sunscreen on because there is plenty of sunshine here on trolley number five on 17th Avenue. But uh, this hour I want to talk, uh, we'll start the conversation and then I want you to join in. I'm getting lots of texts on this. At 3.30 I want to open up the phone lines. But this half hour just wanted to uh, focus on uh, Marilisa Rocco. She's global national online journalist, has been working on a special report looking at gender equality, especially in our country in the last 25 years part of a special uh, 150 series in, of course, Canada's 150th birthday. And uh, Marilisa, before we took a break, we, we talk about the need for change and how to enact change. And oftentimes it comes back to that conversation about we need women in leadership roles. But what have we found when it comes to especially the role of women in boardrooms where maybe some of these decisions have to be made? Well, I think, first of all, what I'd like to do is commend our current government for having a cabinet that's made up of 50% women, because I think it's important to have women at a level that where they can affect change to policies and, to, and, and start a conversation um, at that level of government. Um, it's the corporate part of the country that doesn't seem to be catching on too well. Um, we have some pretty disheartening statistics in that area. In 2015, about 12% of board seats of um, TSX-listed companies were held by women. And 29% of those companies only had one female director. But what is even more disheartening is that nearly half of those companies didn't have any women on their boards at all. Um, so I think that that is certainly an indication that there are not enough female voices in um, the corporate arena of our country. And you know, it comes back to what we were talking about before the break, though. How many of those boards are actively seeking women? And some women are just saying, no, I don't want to sacrifice my time at this point in my life or my career, my family. I, and I don't know how much you were able to delve into that, but I know that's probably just a small part of the reason. But I wonder if that also is uh, having an impact on these boards trying to get more women on them. Um, I mean, I don't have any numbers on that, um, but I'm willing to bet that there are a lot more cases of not being asked versus being asked and not wanting to take on the responsibility. Yeah. And then that's that's at the boardroom. 
we, we know there's been a strong efforts to get more women in politics. And yes, Justin Trudeau said that he wanted to make uh, his cabinet 50-50 because it's 2015, whatever his reason was. But I, I wonder, again, to get women into politics, I sometimes think women are just smart enough to say, who needs it? <laughs> Well, I mean, it's certainly um, going to be putting your your life under a a microscope. That's for sure. Yes. Um, but I do think that uh, there are plenty of women out there that are just looking for a platform. And if they had the opportunity to step up and to take on a government position to try and affect change, you know, from the inside, as it were, I'm pretty sure that a lot of them would jump at the opportunity. You've got to tell me about one of the, the guests that you talked to as part of your series, and especially when it comes to encouraging women in those leadership roles. Can you tell me a little bit more about what you were hearing from some of the those ground workers, the ones who are on the ground trying to change the numbers here? I mean, they're just, you know, they're they're asking for everyone to stop and listen and to consider that um, there there are growth inequalities in our society and in our country. Um, and it was interesting because um, Minister of the Status of Women, uh, Miriam Monsef, had a very had a very poignant um, sort of quote to offer me, and she said, you know, we believe that women would make terrific representatives. Um, at the municipal and provincial and federal level of government. Um, and she said, you know, if you find somebody in your community that you think would be the right person to run for a position, ask her and then ask her 14 more times because that's how long it's going to take to convince her that she's got what it takes. Yeah. And I think that also says a lot to saying, oh, do I really want to make that kind of a move? Um, I want to touch on before I, I say goodbye to you, Marilisa, the fact that the... I guess the violence, especially when it comes to the different genders, that has that hasn't changed. We still see a disproportionately higher number of women victims of violence than men. Yes, we do. Um, that that hasn't changed. Um, in fact, I do believe that uh, they don't have the most recent statistics. No, no organization has very recent statistics. I think the most recent ones date back to 1992 on um, gender-based violence. However, um, it is known that, that the numbers have not gone down. Uh, they may have stayed steady, but they have not gone down in any way. And I think what's even more um, upsetting is there was a survey conducted by the Canadian Women's Foundation um, just this past May that found four out of five Canadians believe the next generation of women is likely or more likely to experience sexual assault. And um, these responses were especially poignant among millennials. So um, I think that also speaks to sort of different levels and different platforms where we're seeing gender-based violence now, whether it's online, um, you know, through social media or, you know, in in sort of more traditional settings of, of domestic abuse. Um, it's just, it's, it's, not, it's not encouraging to know that this generation that's coming up through the ranks now believes that it's just a fact of life. 
see, and that's crazy. I, I guess I, I was so surprised by that figure. And, and as you say, that survey it was four out of five Canadians believe the next generation is more likely to experience sexual assault. I, I feel we've just had this conversation. It almost is as, uh, as much as the bullying conversation. And, and yet here we've got a, a generation looking ahead saying, I don't think it's going to get any better. But do you, do experts or do they, they say they think it's just because it, your social media circle and content, uh, contact rather, is that much broader? I do believe that it's because there are more venues um, to to enact this type of violence, whether it's um, you know virtual or or um, you know physical. Um, but I do think that the conversation now is less about um, you know protecting women from it and more about bringing men and boys into into the conversation and asking them to to be aware and to call people out if they if they witness something of this nature to step up and to say something um, the responsibility does not lie entirely on women and I think now the message is really to bring the men and boys into it as well and then we can't let you go without talking about the justice system when when it comes to gender inequality what are we seeing though because if we're talking about violence against women specifically sexual assault first of all a woman has to feel that she can report it and secondly feel that her voice is going to be heard and uh, the the right sentence or the right justice will be served what were you able to find in that area uh, I didn't really do a great deal of research in that area um, but I do know that Many of the experts I spoke to um, expressed concern over terminology and ideas that are still perpetuated in courtrooms today, um, in particular the Knees Together case um, that came up more than once. So there is sort of an idea, there is a philosophy being you know, espoused that um, maybe it's time to sort of address address that generation as well, the generation that's making these calls and educate them on what sexual assault really looks like and, and how it's carried out. I mean, I do think um, it's important to note that only three out of ten um, sexual incident, assault incidences are reported in Canada, and fewer than those will ever be tried. Yeah. So um, yeah, the you're statistics right. I are pretty shocking. Yeah. So I know you've had to cover a lot, and obviously a half an hour is never enough, and there's some big topics within that whole umbrella of gender equality or inequality. But do you have a sense that we're moving in the right direction for the next 25 years? I do think that we're moving in the right direction. I think that um, there's, there's an, the fact alone that we've acknowledged a lot of these topics and that they're being discussed in the media as well as at the government level, I think is an indication that there's an awareness that some changes need to be affected. Um, you know, who knows when we'll see a change in the gender wage gap. We're all hoping that it's sooner rather than later. Um, you know, and another thing I would like to point out with regards to that is, you know, we talk a lot about the, you know, this 74 cent statistic. Um, but, you know, indigenous women and um, racialized women and disabled women with disabilities um, make even less than that. They make roughly 67 cents to every dollar. So, you know, there, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of intersectionality that needs to be addressed um, within this issue. And, um, 
I think that, that our government right now is definitely, you know, listening, and they know that something needs to, that things need to change. Marilisa, thanks for starting the conversation with us. Thank you so much. Marilisa Sirocco, Global National Online Journalist, and uh, that series is beginning tonight, the idea of uh, gender equality. Have we progressed in the past 25 years? There's the question. I want your texts. I want your phone calls. 403-974-8255. And I, I know doing this job as many years as I have, I know I've got some great, great listeners with great opinions. And oftentimes that's from men. And maybe that's the inequality when it comes to talk shows. But if I'd, I'd love to hear from both sides, just to see if you in the last 25 years as a woman or as a man has seen a change when it comes to uh, gender equality or inequality in our country. 403-974-8255. Live on location at trolley number five. We're back after this. Calgary Today with Angela Cocott. Weekdays at 3 on News Talk 770 Calgary.